Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist. Um, going back to one of my strengths, which is wood. That's why I sit here tonight. Um, we're going to talk about southern softwoods, cedar, pine, cypress, and how they've integrated themselves through uh, the, the building of dwellings throughout the years, in addition to um, a way of authenticating furniture, cabinets, is understanding what woods were used, where in the application of building, and how they differed from regions, mid-Atlantic, New England, Southern, um, you know, for instance, uh, you know, uh, one, one region may have had poplar uh, secondary woods, drawer bottoms and backs of, of carcasses, and others may have had yellow pine. Some others may have had uh, white pine, a very light, uh, knotty type wood. So, um, again, a, a way of identifying or authenticated pieces of furniture. So, but tonight we're uh, going to talk about the uh, their application with dwellings, okay? So, so really to the uninitiated, a historic wooden house is just wood. But once you delve into restoration work, you find that certain woods were traditionally used in very specific ways and sometimes came from very unusual locations. The climate in the southern United States runs the gamut from temperate to tropical and supports an equally diverse array of plant life. It produced a wealth of timber sheltered in vast expanses of forest that included the softwoods of yellow pine, cedar, and cypress. There were also many varieties of hardwoods which grew in luxuriant mixed stands, among them oak, basswood, beech, hickory, magnolia, maple, sycamore, and sweet gum. All of these woods were used by the southern pioneers to fashion their furniture, tools, ships, and houses. However, only a small number were desirable as construction timber and were plentiful enough to be sold as a commodity on the world market, cypress, cedar, and yellow pine. These beautiful and amazingly durable woods were logged in ancient virgin forest and became widely available to builders in North America and abroad from 1670 to 1915. If you own a house which was built during this period, there is a high probability that at least a portion of its lumber comes from the forest of the Deep South. In the 19th century, the southern lumber industry was well established in the states of Georgia, Alabama, and Florida, which held seemingly endless expanses of prime forest. By 1857, the town of Pensacola, Florida was producing lumber for its own use and export to New Orleans, Mexico, and the Caribbean islands. Within a few years, though, the Civil War and the federal blockade of southern ports brought the lumber shipping industry to a dead halt. Sawmills lay rusted in a despair for the duration of the war. By the war's end, the depletion of forest in the Northeast and other regions could no longer be ignored. Soon the demands of industry and the burgeoning population turned to the southern forest. The lumber was noted for its superior quality and became a major export, valued at over $16 million in 1869. Many northern lumber entrepreneurs came south to buy vast expanses of southern forest cheaply and invested in mills 
<coughs> which employed experienced men from the Northeast and Scandinavia. Mill towns sprung up all over the South, creating fortunes for the lumber barons. The lumbering and sawmilling technologies that made the industry so efficient in other areas were brought in, and sawmills became voracious dynamos capable of devouring huge virgin forests. Improved railroads and ships moved the lumber from the sawmills to both foreign and domestic ports. In the 1870s, it was estimated that it would take 25 years to complete the first cutting of the forest in North Florida. However, the machinery that made timber harvesting incredibly efficient also cleared the frontier forest so completely that by 1910, virtually every stand of Pine Barren Worth cutting had been removed from the sandy Florida soil. Before looking closer at the three major southern softwoods, it is helpful to understand a little bit about the characteristics that makes one tree different than another and the terms used to describe these differences. All trees are divided into two broad classes, hardwoods and softwoods. The distinction is not based on the hardness of the wood. In fact, not all hardwoods are harder than all softwoods. Hardwoods are broad-leaved trees that close their seeds in a case and produce fruits and flowers. The wood is characterized by the presence of vessels, which are cells which extend longitudinally into the stem. In the growth rings, hardwood cells are shorter, thicker-walled, and less flexible than softwood cells, and are not arranged in the orderly radial rows found in softwoods. Softwoods are cone-bearing <coughs> cone trees with scale or needle-like leaves that are characterized by the absence of vessels, hence just a generality that's called pine. Softwoods have ducts which are usually full of sticky resins released from the cells lining the opening or duct. Softwood does not split as easy as hardwood does. When viewed in cross-section, the trunk of the tree shows two basic areas, the sapwood and the heartwood. Sapwood is made up of the outermost growth rings of the tree and is used for storage and passage of nutrients and water. And, you know, back in college studying this, it's, it was the xylem, we used to say xylem up, the xylem cells were the conduit for nutrients and water going up, and phloem was the result of the, the uh, enriched energy of the photosynthetic process of the leaves, which was coming down to be stored in the roots. So sapwood is present in all trees and is lighter in color than heartwood and less resistant to decay. Heartwood is the wood from the center of the tree to the sapwood. The heartwood is largely dead tissue which supports the tree and is typically darker than the sapwood, but not always well-defined. Well heartwood is also denser and may contain substances, largely phenols, that repel fungus and insects, acting as natural preservatives. Heartwood is preferred for the use under conditions which may favor decay because sapwood is attracted more easily. Forest or stands of trees are often referred to as being either old growth or second growth. Old growth or virgin forests are original, mature, naturally established stands often hundreds of years old. The trees from these forests 
have had to compete among themselves for water and sunlight for hundreds of years. And the lumber produced is typically very straight and free from knots. Second growth forests are those established after a previous forest has been removed by wind, fire, rain, or cutting. Generally, second growth wood has a higher proportion of sapwood than virgin timber, and, it, and it's because it comes from the faster growing varieties. As a result, it is more vulnerable to decay. So let's get into these three woods we're talking about from the south for uh, the basically furniture building and or uh, building of dwellings. Yellow pine. The southern or yellow pines, chiefly among them, lullaby, short-leafed, or long-leaf, were the major lumber producers of the south and fueled the great lumber boom in the 19th century. The southern pine timber species were known as hard softwoods, with woods such as longleaf being about as hard as the average hardwood. The creamy pink or yellow sapwood is narrow, in contrast with a usually reddish-brown heartwood, which can be varying color from a light rose to a dark burgundy. It is a wide growth ring, particularly in fast-grown timber, and of course, resinous in texture. Yellow pine dries out well, but tends to have a fairly large amount of shrinkage. It is stable, stiff wood when it is seasoned correctly, with a high bending and crushing strength. The wood is easily worked with both hand and machine tools, but the resin can cause clogging or dulling of tools. First growth hard pine is extremely durable. Second growth lumber is moderately durable. The yellow pine grows straight and tall, and old growth trees reaching at height up to 100 feet and a girth of, of 3 feet in diameter at the base. The virgin pine forest provided timber with a great quantity of heartwood, and branches concentrated near the top of the tree, which left fewer knots and made for easy sawing and high-quality lumber up the trunk of the tree. The sheer immensity of the South's 19th century pine woods was described by the early 20th century geographer V. Emerson. A drive through the virgin longleaf pine forest will long be remembered. The stately trunks rise 40 to 60 feet and possibly 100, then spread out their dense foliage which joins above like arches of a cathedral. There is little or no undergrowth, and the view fades into a maze of column-like trunks. The virgin stands of pine were open because southern pine, particularly longleaf, is tolerant to fire. Forest fires would actually benefit pine stands by removing a fungus which attacks the tree and eliminating competition from grass and underbrush. The pine timber would endure for 150 years before the trees began to perish of hot or heat rot. Hardwoods were excluded from pine regions unless they were of considerable age and size. Lobally, the least desirable of the three main species of southern pines, was found near streams and wetlands where it grew quickly with a long cylinder trunk. It is less resinous than longleaf which is a source of turpentine. When the supply of high-grade northern white pine began to dwindle, lumbermen turned their attention to yellow pine, which was used for fairly any building purpose when it was, and it was very, very plentiful. Yellow pine historically supplied half of the total annual cut 
and much of that was long, longleaf pine. Pine lumber sawn to thin proportions, 2 inch to 4 inch thick, by 9 to 11 inch wide, was called deal in early 18th and 19th century terminology. It was widely used for framing lumber and, and siding as well as millwork. The heartwood is particularly durable, as most often found in flooring, which many homeowners have difficult nailing. The highest, densest grade of heart pine were used for heavy construction, such as bridges, docks, warehouses, and decking. Lesser grades were utilized for domestic construction and general building. So let's talk about cedar, the second wood. Along with the cypresses, cedars are the most decay-resistant of any of the southern woods. Once plentiful, the demand for this insect and fungus-resistant wood has greatly diminished their availability. In addition to the durability, these unusual softwoods are all exceptionally beautiful. Atlantic white cedar is widely known in the south as juniper. It grows exclusively along the coastal plain and most common from North Carolina to Florida and along the Gulf Coast. It has an important timber tree since the early development of the Atlantic seaboard. Cedar shingles or shakes are found in Philadelphia and Baltimore as early as 1800. The wood is light, close grain, and soft, and dries with little shrinkage. So, and to add into this, that most of these cedar trees used for uh, cedar shakes or shingles, um, there's nothing left on the East Coast. We've totally deforested them. And uh, dealing with the Shivers House now looking for these shakes, they all come in from Washington State, Northern California, possibly Montana, and maybe the Dakotas. So in general, the wood is light, close-grained, and soft, and dries with little shrinkage. So when it gets wet, it doesn't expand that much, and when it dries, it doesn't shrink that much. So it's excellent for roofing uh, applications. The sapwood is a beige white, and the hardwood is light brown and highly resistant to decay. It is quite fragrant, though not pungently aromatic as red cedar, and ages to a silvery gray tone, which can be dressed to bring it back to its original color. It is no longer widely available commercially, although, but can be purchased in the regions where it grows. It was used for exterior siding, porches, piers, and it is durable when exposed to constant moisture. It takes paint well, and although it, it was often left unpainted to weather in such a natural creamy gray, especially in the South. Those familiar with Atlantic white cedar advise leaving it unsanded for exterior use and cleaning it out every three years with a dilute chlorine solution to remove fungus, mildew, and insects. Red cedar, often called pencil cedar or southern red cedar, reaches 100 feet in height with a trunk diameter up to four feet. It is actually a variety of juniper and a close relative to the common northern red cedar. It is a reddish brown to purple red heartwood, which contrasts with a light tan sapwood. Only the heartwood contains the aromatic producing oils, which repels moths and other insects. It should be dried out slowly to avoid splitting and checking. It is medium bending and crushing strength and low stiffness and shock resistance. Straight grained cedar lumber is worked easily with hand and machine tools in the wood shop. 
but younger, knottier stock requires much more care. It should be pre-bored for nailing and can be given a fine finish and glues quite well. Red cedar heartwood is extremely durable and resistant to preservatives and the sapwood is less durable and resistant. Cedar has a tendency to swell and deform slightly. It is wise to allow some space between neighboring boards to allow for this expansion and contraction, particularly when tongue and groove lumber is being applied. Red cedar is resistant to termite and or wood, woodworm infestations. Both red and white cedar were considered suitable for many building uses, posts, piling, shutters, decorative trim, and shingles. So the third wood is the bald cypress. Many varieties of cypress are recognized in the southeastern United States, including tidewood or red cypress, swamp cypress, pond cypress, and bald cypress. Of these, the bald cypress is the most important as commercial timber. Although all variants may be milled and sold interchangeably because the woods are fairly similar in quality, if not in color. Bald cypress, a softwood, was given its name because of its deciduous seasonally shed foliage, which is often further divided into red, white, and yellow varieties. The southern bald cypress, which, which are found along river bottoms and coastal swamps, are a close relative to the California redwoods. This strange and beautiful tree has a unique root system, which grows sinkers for anchorage in the network of shallow roots from which it produces a cone-like cypress knees. The trees grow to maximum height of 150 feet with a trunk diameter three to six feet. The heaviest stands occur in the swamps of the lower Mississippi River Valley in Florida. It has a moderately heavy, hard, and strong wood noted for its high durability under conditions favorable to decay. Because it contains a lot of moisture, it requires time and care in drying and expertise. It can either be kiln or air dried with little shrinkage and is considered fairly stable. It is a luxury wood with this beautifully variation in grain and color. The sapwood is unusually a pale yellow brown and blends to a dark brown hardwood, sometimes with a red dish tint. Its wood is light, soft, and easily worked. It takes paint well, but was often left in its natural state. Pecky cypress, or cypress heartwood, which has been attacked by a fungus that produces pockets in the wood, leaving a beautiful mottling pattern. The pattern produced ranges from coarse to marginal to a fine peck, and it is often used in interior wainscoting and trim. Cypress is called for when decay resistance is of supreme importance, as in beams, posts, cross ties, and other support members. The natural preservative oil present in the wood is called cypropresence, and it provides resistance to both insects and organic decay. Cypress was also commonly used for flooring, sash, shingles, doors, shutters, trim, wainscoting, and millwork. In the South, it was often the primary construction material for verandas and porches. Many of the late 18th century river road plantations in Louisiana were built completely of cypress, which was endured the, which would endure the humid, insect-ridden climate for 200 years with minimum decay 
fast growth. Cypress is even durable in contact with soil. So the, uh, the, the Shivers House Grand Reception Room, um, the whole thing is done. It was thought originally to be done in red cedar, but it, in fact, it's been tested. It is cypress. So one of the few uh, rooms I know that are paneled from the early 18th century in all of South Jersey that has cypress, original cypress paneling in it. And there were some original, uh, some individuals in the beginning had written a few books have gotten it a bit confused. They weren't quite up on their woods and uh, they attribute it to uh, cedar. So Southern softwoods today. Since the demise of the pre-1950 lumber boom, the incredibly durable and beautiful fast growth Southern softwoods have been difficult to obtain. Few cedar glades have survived the 19th century, but sp and species such as cypress are not commercially farmed. The scarcity of once plentiful hard hardwoods of pine, cypress, and cedar are also coincided with a renewed interest in the legacy of historic wooden houses. A quest for suitable substances makes recycled old lumber more important than ever. An antique wood salvage demolished building is frequently the best material for decorative surfaces such as paneling and flooring. Though historic preservationists sometimes feel that this encourages, encourages demolition. I, I disagree with it. Hard pine is a regular remill, regularly remilled from the massive beams used to construct warehouses and industrial buildings in the last century. An important source of cedar today is timber retrieved from rivers and swamps, which remain sound despite having been submerged for decades. So these items have been submerged and there's been no oxidation reduction taking place so there um, and I think this has been going on for about 25 years now the uh, finding of logs and there's been a lot of logs particularly down in southern New Jersey in that Dennisville uh, Dennisville Lake and uh, a lot of that cedar that's been pulled out those cedar logs even back in the day were pulled out um, and cedar shingles were milled for uh, Independence Hall in Philadelphia so if we are indeed recycling one of the most expensive modern commodities, the historic wooden house, perhaps we can justify using a moderate amount of increasingly scarce, high-quality lumber to return a building to its active use. In the South, cypress, yellow pine, and cedar can all still be purchased directly from sawmills in rural areas. Some specialty lumber suppliers are also sources for these woods and are alternatives to the usual building material outlets or salvage merchandisers. Knowing more about historic woods and taking a conservative approach to the replacement will help all of us appreciate their unique characteristics, which account for the continued survival of many old houses today. So thanks for uh, listening to the Historic Preservationist tonight, this episode. Greg Perry signing out.